Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. In this somewhat sciencey episode, we're going to discuss the new FDA-approved medication for postpartum depression called Zoranolone. We're talking about it now because I've had several patients ask me about it since it was just recently approved, and several clinicians ask about it in my online course. I actually just did a brief mini-lecture on this new development as part of the curriculum for the online fellowship in reproductive and integrative psychiatry. And if you're a clinician who's interested in joining, we're actually now open for fall registration. So go ahead to psychiatryfellowship.com to learn more. Now, Zoranolone is the first medication with the specific indication of postpartum depression. That was the indication for which it was approved by the FDA. And it's unique because it works quite quickly. And those are two things that we're going to talk about. But first, let's go over the science a little bit. This medication is similar to Brexanolone. Brexanolone was a medication that was approved in 2019. And the challenge with Brexanolone was it is a medication specifically for postpartum depression, but it's an IV form of a medication. And so that means it needs to be infused over the course of 60 hours. It also has what's called a REMS, which is a risk mitigation and evaluation strategy. Basically, that means that it's a medication that has been considered to be slightly higher risk, and so it has additional guidelines and trainings involved for those who administer the medication, so the organization, the hospital, the clinician. So that's the original medication, the Brexanolone, which is the IV infusion that was approved back in 2019. It's a neuroactive steroid with allosteric modulation of GABA-A receptors. That is a mouthful. So Brexanolone and now Zoranolone, is this neuroactive steroid, and it has this allosteric modulation of GABA-A receptors. That means that it increases activity at the GABA-A receptor site. GABA receptors are a class of receptors that respond to the neurotransmitter GABA, gamma-aminobutyric acid. There are two types, GABA-A and GABA-B. And GABA-A receptor medications are those you may have heard of, often used for anxiety but that can have issues with things like dependence and tolerance, like benzodiazepines. This medication, both the brexanolone and the zoranolone, work through allopregnenolone. Allopregnenolone is actually a progesterone metabolite, so it's an offshoot of progesterone, and has the same mechanism of allosteric modulation at that GABA-A receptor site as some of these other anti-anxiety medications but they don't have those same issues related to dependence and tolerance. Brexanolone is essentially a synthetic version of allopregnolone, the progesterone metabolite, the neuroactive steroid, and as is zoranolone, but it's in an oral form. So now we have this new medication, this oral medication that you can take by mouth. You don't need an IV infusion, and it's essentially a offshoot a metabolite of progesterone, a synthetic version of a progesterone metabolite that works on the same receptors that are related to management of anxiety. 
So that's the science behind this new medication, the Zoran. Let's now talk a little bit about what it's used for. The FDA approved it for postpartum depression. Now, interestingly, the company that makes the medication also sought approval for major depressive disorder, MDD, but the FDA requested additional information before it is able to approve it for that particular indication. So right now, the only indication is for postpartum depression. What's interesting is that postpartum depression isn't actually a separate diagnosis per se. It's a subtype of MDD, a subtype of major depressive disorder. In most mental health clinics and organizations, clinicians who are diagnosing individuals with mental illness, mental health conditions, use the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. In that manual, it lists a subtype of MDD, which is the postpartum depression subtype. In order to qualify for that, you have to meet the criteria for a regular major depressive disorder with the additional qualifier that the symptoms began within three months before delivery or within four weeks postpartum. Our diagnostic manual, the DSM, our diagnoses aren't perfect. I certainly have had multiple patients who might meet the criteria for various conditions or might meet partial criteria for several conditions. And that's why oftentimes in our clinical settings, we use what are called unspecified. For example, we might use a diagnosis like anxiety disorder unspecified or an unspecified depression because our diagnostic criteria aren't perfect and a lot of people are outside of the box of the DSM. Now, whether or not postpartum depression should be a diagnosis that's completely separate from the original major depressive disorder is definitely outside of the scope of this podcast episode and is something to, to think about for those who are involved in the study and creation of these diagnostic criteria. So back to Zoran. We've looked at the science behind the medication and the indication according to the FDA. Let's take a look now at the research study that led to the approval of this medication. This was the Skylark study, and you can actually find the comprehensive article that was published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, which is where I'm getting all of this data on this particular study. And the Skylark study was a phase three trial. It was a randomized control trial, it was double blind and placebo controlled. What that means is that both the individuals in the study, as well as the clinicians administering the medication, were blind to whether or not the individual was receiving a placebo or the medication. And placebo-controlled, meaning that one group received the medication, the Zoranolone, at 50 milligrams, and the other group received placebo. Now, the interesting thing to note is that there is definitely something to be said for the placebo effect. I'm actually a huge fan of the placebo effect. I think it's something that we need to harness and that we do harness. There are many individuals out there who might take a placebo and find improvement in symptoms. And honestly, they might have side effects as well. That really speaks to the power of the mind. And it's something that we notice in many of our medications, even some of the older medications that we classically use for conditions like anxiety and depression. For example, the SSRIs, medications like fluoxetine, sertraline, these medications have a pretty high percentage of their effect related to placebo effect. 
So the placebo effect is not something to dismiss. I think it's something that could actually be quite valuable. In any case, with this particular study, this was a double-blind placebo-controlled study, and it involved 200 women. All of the women were less than six months postpartum, and they had the diagnosis of postpartum depression, which means major depressive disorder with the postpartum specifier that symptoms began in the third trimester or within four weeks postpartum. All of these patients were noted to have severe postpartum depression. They used a questionnaire called the HAMD, and everyone had a score of at least 26 or more. And they were separated into either the placebo or the medication arm. And they did try to include some diversity as well. In this particular study, about 25% of the individuals self-identified as Black and about 34% self-identified as Hispanic. What they found was a significant difference between those who received the Zoranolone, which was 98 individuals, and those who received the placebo. If you take a look at the actual article, there's a fun little graph that paints a very interesting picture of this. And they basically demonstrate the amount of improvement from baseline, which actually means a reduction in the HAMD score, in the score of depression over time. And what they found was that the Zoranolone arm begins to separate from the placebo arm as early as three days. And that's something that's notable for this particular medication because it works quite quickly. And that separation continues to be significant at day 15 and all the way up to day 45, which was the duration of this particular study. They also took a look at the difference between response and remission in this particular group. And a response really refers to an improvement in symptoms, whereas a remission means that symptoms have mostly been alleviated. And what they found was that within the first few days, there's a significant difference in response between the Zoranolone and the placebo group. And then as time went on, there was actually a significant difference in remission between the two by day 45. So you can take a look at the study if you have access to it through the American Journal of Psychiatry. It's really great to see that there is this significant reduction by day three in these scores, in these Hamilton depression scores, and that the reduction continues to be noticeable and evident and significant at day 45. There's a couple of caveats to keep in mind. The first is, like all medications, there can be the potential for some side effects. The most common side effects that were notable in this particular group were things like somnolence, which is sleepiness or sedation, dizziness, and some GI symptoms. There are some other things that we need a little bit more information about as we think about who is going to be the ideal candidate for this type of medication. And there's four specific aspects that I want to emphasize. The first is that the women in these trials, in this study, were asked to forego breastfeeding. Now, this is something that many individuals who are postpartum would really prefer to avoid. They want to continue to breastfeed their baby. And so many of my patients would like to continue to breastfeed. This does not mean that taking this medication means that you can't breastfeed. It just means that we don't currently have the appropriate data in order to be able to advise women one way or the other. 
So we need more data about breastfeeding in the context of taking this medication and how much of it ends up in the breast milk. So that's one piece of information that we need a bit more data. The second interesting aspect is this was a placebo-controlled trial. One thing to keep in mind is that these days we do have a lot of different kinds of treatments for postpartum depression. Of course, the most important part is actually screening for postpartum depression and accessing treatment for it. We do have a lot of different kinds of treatments, both medications like SSRIs, those are medications fluoxetine and sertraline, as well as different kinds of psychotherapies and other types of interventions. We have a lot of different kinds of treatments for postpartum depression. And this study didn't actually compare this medication and how it works compared to other types of treatments for postpartum depression. It really just compared it to placebo, which is essentially no treatment. And it's going to be really interesting to think about what's going to be the difference between this medication and, for example, our current first-line treatment tools for postpartum depression. What's going to be the difference in the efficacy, in side effects, in tolerability, in onset of effect, all of those kinds of things. One thing that will be important to notice is who's going to be a candidate for some of these original first-line treatments that we have versus Zoranolone. And again, one of the things that's really interesting about this medication is how quickly it works. The next thing that I want to mention is what we don't quite know is what is the duration? What is the longevity of the improvement? So this particular study goes up to 45 days. So it's a month and a half, about six weeks of treatment. It would be very interesting to see to make sure that the response and remission continues to be ongoing beyond that short window of time. And again, that's information that we just don't yet have, which isn't to say that a knock against this medication, it's just something that we need to collect more data on. And finally, the patient population in this particular study was noted to have severe postpartum depression. And I definitely work with a number of patients who struggle with severe postpartum depression, but I also have patients who have mild to moderate postpartum depression, as well as symptoms of postpartum anxiety. And so it will be really interesting to learn more about how this medication particularly impacts that patient population. So I do think that we need a little bit more information on this medication in terms of breastfeeding, how it compares to current treatments the longevity of effect, and the, the way that it can help mild to moderate symptoms. But it is really great news to have a new type of medication, a new mechanism, a new type of treatment that works quickly and works effectively to help those really struggling with symptoms of postpartum depression. I'm glad to hear that the FDA approved this medication, that it's going to be administered orally, so that it doesn't have to be an IV infusion. It doesn't have, there doesn't have to be that kind of barrier to accessing this new treatment tool and that hopefully many will be able to benefit from this new treatment tool. So if you are someone who is struggling with postpartum depression, I would definitely encourage you to connect with a clinician, hopefully someone who has experience in reproductive mental health 
will will be able to help guide you in the various different treatment options available out there, including this new one. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.